Amen. So if you want to, if, if you want a title for today's message, it's going to be a currency more valuable than gold. A currency more valuable than gold. And so uh, take that, write that down if you want. And we're going to look at the book of Acts, chapter three in the Amplified Bible. Acts chapter three in the Amplified Bible. So if you've got your acoustic Bible here, it will be similar, but it'll be a little bit different. So the Amplified Bible is what we'll read. But before we get there, we need to do some context. So uh, just another thing, if you're new to One Heart Church or a church like this, you may have seen people raising their hands or doing some karaoke whatnot. They're just ways that we express our love to God. And so I'd encourage you to go, uh, for, I don't know about you, but I experienced the presence of God this morning. I felt God speaking to me, moving in my heart changing my perspective, and when we worship God, things like that happen. So you might have had some weird feelings, that's just God moving in your life. That presence is God. But so, uh, I don't assume, because of that, if it's your first time in church, I don't assume you know all the context of what we're about to read, so I'm going to break down some things, and that will help us when we read what we're about to read in Acts chapter 3, understand where they, these people were at and what was going on. So to start with that, I'll say this, all right, another thing for you, for us, church, for those of us that do know this, man, this pumps my tires up. When I'm a little bit flat, I just when I remind myself of some of this stuff, I get excited. So I tell you, if you get excited, if you believe this, let your voice tell me. All right. So, uh, so why did Jesus come, Pastor Rob? Oh, another thing, I don't often get to preach when Pastor Rob's here. So, what are, 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 my exam uh, sheet will get a little bit more uh, ticked off or not? But so, Pastor Rob, why did Jesus come to Earth? What was the purpose? To save us. Save us from what? Sin. Aha. Uh-huh. So sin, there's, there's an issue that all of us humans have is this thing called sin. What the issue with sin is, we just sang a song, Jesus makes a way where there was no way. We have this thing called sin, and that separated us from a great relationship with God the Father. And so our sin was a barrier. Now, we can often hear things like, well, ultimately we either die well, or we get raptured. Either way, what happens is when we die, we either go to hell or heaven. And so we don't go to hell because of our sin. Well, like sin itself doesn't take us to hell. This sin is from the God our Father, the judge, goes, you know what? I can't tolerate sin, therefore you go to hell. And so, and so Jesus came and made a way where there was no way, where we couldn't bridge the sin gap. Jesus made a way, and then therefore now we have access to heaven. But so then with that... The thing is, we as a Pentecostals at One Heart Church, we are a full gospel church, and we believe there's more to it. James Cheney, the whoop, whoop sound, but wait, there's more. We believe that Jesus came for more than just to deal with our sin. I believe that, and that's the primary thing. Don't get it confused. That's the majority. You've got to get your relationship right with Jesus so he can cover us in. But as I said, James Cheney, whoop, but wait, there's more. Jesus came for a full gospel, not just salvation. And so we're going to look at that right now before we get to Acts chapter 3. So in Luke 3.16, there's a man called John the Baptist, and he prophesies over Jesus. And so John says, I baptize you in water, which is about repentance. If you haven't been baptized in water, I encourage you to get baptized in water because it's a, it's a public demonstration saying, my life has changed, I'm dying to my old life, and I'm rising again with Jesus. But then, so then when John is baptizing Jesus, he says this in Luke 3.16, he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That gets me a bit excited. And so I've had many conversations with people, and, and, they, they, and it, they say, like, well, um, what's his Holy Spirit? What's his fire? Like, um, we can all be saved and have salvation. Great. But 
Uh, an example could be is, I came to church today by car. I could have walked here, take me twice as long, but I chose to take a car. I chose to receive the power. If I had to go up into, there's not many in Port Lincoln, I don't think there's any, oh no, there's one at the Lincoln Hotel, but an elevator. I could choose the stairs or I could choose the elevator. I chose, I choose the elevator because I want the power. Why, make, why go the hard way around when you could choose the easy route? And so you can be saved and have no Holy Spirit. Awesome. But choose some power. But we're going to continue reading. So then we get to then uh, Jesus is teaching his disciples in John 16, 5 to 7. And he's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. And it says, but now I'm going, I'm going away to the one who sent me. Skip verse 6. Verse 7 says, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. But if you do go away, then I will send him to you. Then a few years pass and we get to the Easter story. Jesus dies, but then on the, on the third day, he resurrects in power. Come on, somebody. And then, it's, and then Jesus starts doing some crazy things. So he, he's on the beach cooking some fish randomly in his re, uh, resurrected body. Um, there's disciples hiding in a room all scared of the religious leaders. And then Jesus just, hello, boys. What rocks up in this locked room? He starts doing all these crazy things after his death. But it's, um, and so then we get to, with that, so Jesus is doing, he's resurrected, he's doing these crazy things. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. So, and it says this, once when he was eating with them, so once when Jesus was eating with the disciples, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Then we get to Luke, which was referred to Luke 24. 49, and I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes, up, comes and fills you with power from heaven. And so the resurrected Jesus was speaking to his followers f- shortly after that in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so we can ask the question then, well, what does this power do? What is the purpose of of this power. If you go to Mark 16, 16 to 17, it talks about things that should follow or accompany a believer. It says this, these miraculous signs will accompany, follow you. One Heart Church, these things, if you're a believer in God, these things should be in your life. They will cast out demons in my name and speak in new languages. There's new languages for you, One Heart Church. We've got to see more demons being cast out in our society in Jesus' name. It says they'll be able to handle snakes and walk with safety. They will uh, drink anything poisonous and it won't hurt them. And they'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited on a Sunday morning. I want to see those things evident in my life. Bye-bye, demons. Hello, new languages. I want to see laying hands on the sick and they will recover. And so then we see that... Uh, so Jesus talks about this stuff in Acts 1.8, that you will receive power... In, uh, when Jesus, like when we, we get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then we, if you read then the next verses, 9 to 10, it says this, After saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into the heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them, angels. Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here, uh, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And I still believe that, church, that we're going to see Jesus come back down in the clouds and we'll see him the same way that he left. But then, so we see there, there's this promise to the disciples, the Holy Spirit's going to come, wait for it. Then we get to the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, and we see the disciples receive this gift. And we 
we will know this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So we've got to understand that there's these disciples of Jesus, they heard this stuff from Jesus. There's a Holy Spirit coming. There's a gift for you. And then they received that and they received the ability to lay hands on the sick. They got power to do miracles and wonders. And now with that background, we can go to Acts chapter 3, as I said. So it says, healing the lame beggar. Now, Peter and John. Pause. Now, who was Peter and John? They were disciples. They had a Pentecost moment. They got filled with the power of God. They were able to have an Mark 16 kind of life, right? So now we understand that. Now, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, 3 p.m. And a man who had been able, unable to walk from birth was being carried along, whom they used to sit down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. So he could beg alms from those entering the temple. So when Peter and John about to go into the temple... Uh, sorry, sorry, when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking them for coins. But Peter, along with John, stared at him intently and said, Look at us. And the man began to pay attention to them, eagerly expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. But what I, have, I do have, I give you. In the name, the authority, power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, begin now to walk and go on walking. Then he seized the man's right hand with a firm grip, raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong and steady. And with a leap he stood up and began to walk. And he went into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the very man who usually sat begging for coins at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement and were mystified at what had happened to him. I'm going to pray, Holy Spirit, right now, move in our lives. God, we want to have a perspective that's the same as yours. God, break our hearts for the things that break break your heart. Disturb us for the things that disturb you. May we forget the things that don't matter, but be consumed by the things that do. And Holy Spirit, we want to leave this place with power. We want to leave this place knowing you and living at an agenda that you would have for us. Amen, amen, we agree. Point one. The hour of prayer. The hour of prayer. One Heart Church, we need an hour of prayer. Peter and John had an hour of prayer. Now, that's not saying you need to have a one-hour moment where you pray. That's saying there's got to be a moment in your life where you say, this is a time where I pray. This is a time where I seek God. This is a time where I press into heaven. And so I want to read a Bible verse, a bit of a random, but it will make sense. 1 Samuel 11 1 to 4. says this, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, when kings normally go out to war, David, King David, sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of that place. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. But David stayed behind when the king meant to be at war. Interesting. One, late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the, the roof of the palace. As he looked over this, out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty. If you could do that whistle, whatever it is. Taking a bath, there we go. He sent someone to find out who she was. And he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of him and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messages to get her. And when he came to the palace, he slept with her. And then we read verse 5. He did more than sleep because she got pregnant. 
But it says there, when the kings normally go out to war. David was living in compromise. When the kings go out to war, should go out to war, the king was living in compromise. Hmm. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 4 in the um, ESV. For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. King James Version, New King James. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. NRV, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, are, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. One heart, church, we've got to understand we in a battle. We, there is a time for the Christian that we are actually in a war. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We've got to understand there's an enemy that wants to wreck your life. There's an enemy that wants your marriage wrecked, wants your kids wrecked, wants your business destroyed. But we've got to understand there comes a time for the believer the Christian, we need an hour of prayer where we intercede, where we seek God and say, God, I claim your, the second half of John 10, 10, the rich and satisfying life, the good pastures, I believe for Jesus' perspective, in my life, in my circumstance. And it says there, the weapons we fight with aren't the weapons of the world. We don't get our gel blasters out and... No, it says that we have, we have strong, divine, power of God weapons. When we pray, things change. You got, I believe for the, the, that heavenly language of tongues. When you use that thing, that's a divine power that things shift. When you fast, that's not saying it's not a diet. That's a, a divine weapon where things break through. And I really believe that as we as a church, when we get a hold of these weapons, when we start applying them to our life, Things will break. But King David was living in compromise when he should have been at war. One Heart Church, this is not a day for compromise. This is not a day where we just, oh, I've got a few hours here. I'm just going to go on YouTube. I've got a few hours here. I'm just going to waste some time on Netflix. No, 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 no. This is the time. These are the days. These are the minutes where it's not for compromise. When we're meant to be at war, we've got to be at war. We've got to have a time where we pray. Come on. Does we believe that in this place? This week I read in Romans 13, read it in your own time, 11 to 14, but it basically says, Christian, wake up. This is not the time to do it. It says, this is the, the day of salvation is near. This is not a moment. These are not moments. This is not it, the, the generation where we just walk around just going, oh, well, if it's convenient, oh, well, it's not a time for compromise. I encourage you this week, read Romans 13, and, and it will challenge you. Though We need to wake up, and we've got to get into it. 2 Chronicles 7.14, uh, then if my people who are called by name, but are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins and restore their land. And I still believe that rings true for us in our generation. I look at the news, I see the crazy stuff going on, coronavirus, Victoria shuts down again. This state is blocked from South Australia again. We see the, the South Australia having crazy laws entering into parliament. We see Victoria having crazy laws enter into parliament. But when there's a church that will rise up and say, no, we do not accept these things. We do not accept the, what the world is wanting today. We've got to get into that warfare and go, God, we have divine power. We've got to get, we've got to get fasting. We've got to get praying. We've got to get believing because we're not going to be a compromised church that just go, oh, well, we had, our, we had our afternoon rest. We saw something that looked beautiful and then we missed our opportunity when we should have been praying and waging war in the heavenlies. 
Luke 15, it talks about lost things, a lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. And Pastor Rob has declared we're in a season of the one. We're here to reach the one. We're here to reach the lost person. We're here to reach that lost prodigal. And as it says in 15.7, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. We're not just here to have our 99 church party. We're here to be a church where the one returns home. But we see the one come back to Jesus. And that's why it says in Luke 10, 2, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. One heart, church, it's not a time for compromise. This is a time where we've got to be getting on our knees, seeking God's face and say, God, send workers. God, if I'm not a worker, make me a worker. Because God, the harvest is ripe. The harvest is, is ready for picking. But is there a church that's been activated and praying, God, send in workers? We, God, I pray for workers in our high school. God, I pray for workers in our primary school. I pray for workers in every uh, workplace in Port Lincoln, wherever there's people, sporting teams. God, we pray in for workers, but we've got to get on our knees and seek God for those things. And a few years ago, when it comes to this hour of prayer, my mum went to this conference in Sydney called Colour. It's for like, from Hillsong for Women. And the, after that, I'd be often here at the church on my lunch breaks, and I hear this alarm going off all the time because she got a conviction to go, I'm going to set an hour of prayer. Every lunchtime when my alarm goes off, I'm going to commit to praying. I'm going to commit to seeking God and see a breakthrough take place. And I, I need, a lot of us need to take a, a feather out of my mum's hat, I guess, and go, you know what? I've got to set an alarm on my phone. I need an hour of prayer. And when's the time that you dedicate and say, God, this is my time for warfare, not my time for compromise. Yeah. It's time to pray. We need an hour of prayer. And so the next question is, who do you pray with? Who do you pray with? Peter had a John and John had a Peter. Uh, right? And so uh, who's, for, for Pastor Rob, who's your Peter? Bernard, who is your John? Pete, who is your John? Right? We've got to ask ourselves a question. John had a Peter. Peter had a John. Who do you pray with? I preached the message a while ago, a few years ago. Maybe look it up. I, I wouldn't recommend it. But your accountability determines your credibility. And I can, I can show you the Bible verse later I got that from. But we've got to understand your accountability is determ, determines your credibility. And so uh, who are you accountable to? Who are the people in your life that challenge you to do something? I, I hear stories of people that go for runs, and the only reason why they get up is because they, they know my mate's getting up, and I'll be letting him down. I know when I, go to footy, when I used to play footy and go to footy training, they would get a lot more out of me physically because I was accountable to them. Because I'm like, well, they haven't given up. I better keep pushing through. But it's the same thing when it comes to your spiritual faith. You need someone you can pray with. You need people that keep you accountable. On a Wednesday morning, I, for the early morning men's prayer meeting at 7 a.m., I go, some mornings I'm like, I could just sleep in right now. But I'm accountable to go, you know what, no. I want to be someone that's credible, that I'm not living in compromise, and I'm interceding for things that need to change and take place. And so I encourage you, get people that are going to keep you accountable and make a time to pray with others. And so uh, there's, a, there's a, like a hero pastor of mine in New Zealand called John Cameron. He's um, leading a great church movement called, called Arise. And I heard a story from him one time, and he's saying that uh, he had, had some mates that he was hanging out with, and they just started praying. And they thought, oh, it must have been about 15 minutes. They look at the clock four hours later. But he had people that he was hanging out with that he was accountable to, and they, in the presence of God, what was... Four hours felt like 15 minutes. But oh, you know what? I believe for those days at One Heart Church. I believe for stories where Kyle was going to be praying with people. And they go, you know what? We just hanged out. And then you never, 
We looked at the time and it was 11 o'clock and God moved and God breathed and God can do shifts, but we've got to get uh, understanding where our accountability determines our credibility. And I want a church that's credible when it comes to prayer. I want a church that has integrity when it comes to prayer and that we don't waste our opportunities. And so my second point today is a currency more valuable than gold. A currency more valuable than gold. And so Peter and John were on a mission They were ready to intercede. They were ready to bring heaven down on earth. They were ready for that hour of prayer. Boom, interruption. Boom, disruption. And so are we interruptible? Are we disturbable? Do you live a life with any form of margin? Because I know about you, this challenges. The more I read the Bible, church, the more I don't like Jesus in some ways. I love Jesus, but it challenges me to my core. There's times where I'm like, uh, if, if we were to replace Jesus with Josh, the Bible would be very negative because it, Jesus would be in situations and he'd just be like, oh, disruption, interruption, it's fantastic. Like, no drama. For me, I'm like, no, I, this is not in my perfectly planned time frame. This is not in my, the way this was meant to be. But you know what? Peter and John were disturbable. The Holy Ghost filled people were, they had a mission, they were on a plan to pray, but then interruption happened. What happens to you when interruption happens? Does it freak you out? Does it frustrate you? But we've got to be people that go, you know what? I accept the interruption. I accept the disruption because there's a miracle on the other side. This could be a very, this could be a divine setup. This could be a very divine moment. And we've got to not neglect those things. So, uh, and here's the thing though, like being approachable, that's so easy. Being, having the interruption come, anyone can have been interrupted. Anyone could be disturbed. The tricky thing is, do people get better because you are there? That's the real question. It's easy to be disturbed. It's easy to be interrupted. It's easy to face problems. But does a problem get better because you're in that situation? Are you someone that actually fixes the issues that you face? And, that, and if we're Holy Ghost filled, Holy Spirit empowered, I believe we have the capacity to make that situation better, to make that problem better better because I was there and there's churches that are known for the like the power of God healings and miracles there's churches that are known for their social arms like the community engagement feeding the hungry etc but I want to say it's not a both and no sorry it's both and not either or some churches go oh we're just for the Holy Ghost other churches go oh no no we're just for community engagement we're just for feeding the hungry but I want to say it's not an either or it's a both and and I want to be a church where we're not just known for having a food truck come out the front on a every second Thursday or whatever it is and helps hungry people eat. No, no, I want to be a church that we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover also. And so, uh, the, so but the question here is discernment. Do we have discernment? So the lame guy wanted a hand out, but he received a hand up. And that's very interesting that the, the disciples had some discernment here. The blame guy was happy for a handout. Just give me a few little coins. Um, just come on, oh, just give me a few little coins and I'll get a little off cut of bread. But the disciples had some discernment. Go, you know what? Yeah, we could just give you a few coins and, and partially, temporarily just fill your desire. But actually, there's something more for you. They had the discernment to go, no, no, no. You need the power of God to actually fix your situation. And so rather than just a handout, they said, you know what? We're giving you a hand up. We've got the power of God. We have a currency more valuable than gold that doesn't just fix a temporary thing. They actually set you on a new course of life, a new trajectory in life. And you know what, church? Are we a Peter and John that say, you know what? Yes, there's a time for a handout. But do we have the discernment to say, no, no, this is a moment 
of, of hand up. This is a moment where we don't just give you the currency of, of Australia, we give you the currency of heaven, some power, Holy Ghost moving anointing that changes your life. And so when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you will have power to see those things take place. And But here's the thing, Peter and John had their Pentecost moment. Peter and John had their Holy Ghost infilling moment where then when they get to Acts chapter 3, they get disturbed and they have the power of God to move. And if you have not had your Acts chapter 2 moment, you can have it and you can receive it, that you can live a life where you're not just disturbed, but you make that place better. You make that place different because you were there. And I believe it for everyone in One Heart Church, that wherever you step your feet go, that can be a place of miracles. That can be a place of healing because you've received your Pentecost moment. And so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look at this quickly. So we see, we looked earlier about Jesus living, uh, Jesus, not Jesus. David, King David was living in compromise. When the, he was meant to be out at war, he was living in compromise and he got this Bathsheba pregnant. We know the unfortunate story. He thinks, well, how I made an issue. Oh, what, I know what I'll do. I'll make it double problem and commit an even worse issue by murder. And so that's a good lesson for us. When you make a mistake, don't go making a second mistake. But that's what David did. Don't take a leaf from David. He made a second mistake. And then in the next chapter, this prophet Nathan confronts David and says, David, you've been a naughty boy. And so in 2 Samuel 12, 14 to 23, it says this. After Nathan returned to his home, the Lord sent a deadly illness to the child of David and Uriah's wife. David began uh, begged God to spare the child. He went without food and lay all night on the bare ground. The elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and, and eat with them, but he refused. And on the seventh day, the child died. David's advisors were afraid to tell him. He wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill. They said, what drastic thing will he do when we tell him that the child is dead? When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshipped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. His advisors were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. Uh, while the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you have stopped your mourning and are eating again. David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when the child is dead? Can I bring him back? Now, Pentecostals, I believe that we could probably bring that child back possibly. But here's a key I want us to get from that. It's very interesting. David made some dumb choices, but in this situation, he had wisdom. So we might go, well, God, what if I pray and healing doesn't take place? What if I fast and, and a miracle doesn't take place? But David says, you know what? I'd rather ask and get a no than not ask. And we say, yes, I'd rather get on my knees and fast and seek God for my sick child than not pray and seek God and not see a miracle. In One Heart Church, take, a, take the second lesson from David, not the first lesson. We go, you know what? Uh, there's physical needs in our community. God, we're going to pray and seek got you. God, we're going to believe and intercede with you that you can make a change, that you can do a miracle that I can't do on my own because I'd rather ask and get a no than not ask and miss a yes. And One Heart Church, I'd rather pray for 10 people and two get to get healed, then pray for zero and zero get healed. And I want to be a church that knows what it is to have a few failure moments, but I'd rather have prayed and see failure than never pray and never see a breakthrough from heaven. So can we just stand right now, church, and we're going to 
If you've been to One Heart Church before, you'd often know that we would, we would have times of prayer um, in, in some of our songs. But we're going to do that at, at the end. But before I do, uh, it's a, my privilege right now. So this is the best part of our services. The best part of the service isn't necessarily the worship, isn't the preaching. It's the moment right now where people can come and meet Jesus for their, as their Lord and Saviour. Where they can go, you know what, I want my sin dealt with. I want the things that separate me from God the Father be dealt with that I can then press into a life of freedom, a life of restoration to God. And so if, if you're new to One Heart Church and you're going, you know what, Josh, you're speaking to me. I want to make that decision today. I want to make that conscious choice where I'm not just attending a service, but I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want Jesus to be my Saviour. We're going to pray a prayer. Um, I hope you, you know where to find that there, Dylan, and it should be on the screen. Here we go. So we're going to pray this prayer together, church. And if you, if you pray this prayer and you believe it, first time I want you to speak to me at the end of the service I want to give you some help to be able to continue your journey on but we're going to pray together church so dear Jesus I believe you're the son of God who died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins I ask that you forgive me I give you my life and invite you to be my lord and savior today I am born again I trust my future into your hands in Jesus name I pray amen Amen. And so what, we, what we're going to do right now, church, is we're going to uh, start praying and believing for miracles to take place in this, in this building. I've just talked about before that we're, we're not going to be a David living in compromise when we're meant to be in war. And we're going to have a bit of a, a warfare prayer service right now. And we're going to intercede for things of heaven to come down to earth. That we're going to say, God, this is a moment we're going to intercede. We're going to pray. But just before we do, can we just start singing a song, Penny? We'll sing a chorus or something. And then uh, I encourage you right now, let's, let's raise our hands and say, Holy Spirit, move in my circumstance. Holy Spirit, move in my life. Holy Spirit, touch me again.